Welcome back to Season 6 of Career Compass, a podcast from SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, and the SHRM Foundation. Career Compass prepares future leaders today for better workplaces tomorrow. As a voice of all things work, SHRM supports students and emerging professionals with advice, information, and resources for every step of your career. Designed for students or emerging professionals, Career Compass delivers timely, relevant, and critical conversations about work to help you succeed in your career journey. Thank you for joining us for this episode. My name is Vernon Williams, and I will be your co-host. And my name is Demetrius Norman, and I will also be your co-host. This season, we are doing things a little different to celebrate SHRM's 75th anniversary. That's right. SHRM is celebrating 75 years of supporting HR professionals and the workplace as a whole. To honor this milestone, we are hosting seven episodes focused on HR from the past, present, and future with a common thread of driving change. Joining us on today's episode on the present day topic of virtual interviewing is Vice President and Director of Permanent Placement Services at Robert Half, Ty Smith. Also, just so you know, this episode is valid for professional development credit or PDCs for the SHRM CP or SHRM SCP. We will provide the code later in the episode. And with that, let's get started. For those listeners out there who have followed our podcast, you might not recognize my co-host's voice. That's because Demetrius, although being a part of our student team, is new to the Career Compass team. So Demetrius, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Vernon, thank you for that introduction. I'm so happy to join you as a co-host. So a little bit about me. I've been with SHRM for over four years. Uh, Specifically, I work in the certification department dealing with our academic alignment programs and student initiatives, whereby I coordinate with undergraduate and graduate programs uh, that are offered in HR to ensure that they are aligned with the SHRM body of applied skills and knowledge. And I've been working with the student engagement team for about three and a half years. So I'm excited to join the team um, with the Career Compass podcast. Demetrius, I've enjoyed our time working together and addressing many of our student challenges. Super excited to have you join us on this podcast now. And so I'm going to kick things off with a question for you. So today we're talking about interviewing and specifically virtual interviews, which have become a little bit more prevalent in the last few years due to COVID. But let me ask you this. Do you prefer virtual or in-person interviews? I actually prefer both. I think the benefit of an in-person interview is having the opportunity to feed off of body language, energy within the room, also connecting with the interviewer and getting an idea of the office layout, the environment, the uh, virtual component. You can do the same now. I believe that there is always opportunity for improvement. And I believe that the way the technology is advancing, uh, the virtual interview will kind of become the wave of the future. It'll give folks the opportunity to be creative uh, and it'll give individuals the opportunity to kind of express themselves in a more unique way that you may not get in an in-person interview. So I think they both have their benefits and I actually wouldn't mind doing either one. Well, I'm going to let you slide with that answer, Demetrius, because that was kind of a, a, a non-answer on that one. Um, but I understand. I understand where you're coming yeah. from. I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say for me, uh, I, I too could sort of go either way, but I'm going to choose the in-person because my success rate with in-person is a little <laughs> higher than it is with the, the virtual component. So maybe, maybe the in-person thing works a little better for me. All right. So kicking things over to uh, introducing our, our guest for today, 
Ty Smith is a vice president and director of permanent placement services at Robert Half, the world's first and largest specialized talent solutions firm. In his role, Ty oversees a 20 plus person team that handles all accounting and finance placements, including audit and tax, as well as human resources and executive level administration within the Washington, D.C. metro area. In November 2022, Ty celebrated 18 years with Robert Half and has served in several progressive roles during his tenure, gaining experience in the finance, accounting, human resources and administrative industries throughout the Bethesda, Maryland, Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C. Offices. Ty's team constantly ranks in the top five of the entire East Coast, stretching throughout the Midwest within Robert Half. Ty earned his Bachelor of Science degree in economics from Allegheny College, where he also served as a four-year varsity athlete with the men's basketball team. He's an avid sportsman and takes fitness seriously, in addition to being passionate about service and underserved communities. And with that, Career Compass would like to warmly welcome Ty Smith. Yay! Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs> the, the modest introduction, man. Uh, and I got to be honest, uh, for our, our listening audience, uh, I've known Ty for uh, quite a quite a few years. Uh, we started sort of as adversaries on the basketball court, uh, and then later on, and at least in my latter stage, uh, joined up as teammates. Uh, you all can't see Ty, uh, but Ty is like 6'6", 200 plus pounds, probably of all muscle. So uh, one of the better decisions I made was to team up with him. <laughs> All right, listen, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I, I, we, we needed you as much as you needed us. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so speaking of, of sort of the transition of things, um, a lot of folks that we talk to are often transitioning careers uh, or still trying to sort of figure out their career pathway. You graduated from Allegheny College in Pennsylvania with a BS in economics. Did you see yourself becoming a recruiter straight out of college or how did you find yourself at Robert Half? Bernie, it's, it's funny that you asked that question because it's something that I never thought I'd be doing. I frankly didn't know a whole lot about it and wish I did because maybe it would have meant I could get a little bit of extra money uh, in, during the summertime. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, I, I, I never thought I uh, would be in this, uh, in this world. You know, I, I knew I enjoyed sales. I knew that uh, it was probably something that, I, that made sense. But, you know, I was an economics major. And so, you know, in following suit with the natural progression... I was thinking I'd just go get a job in finance and uh, and move on from there. I realized that um, after an internship, it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, I had no desire and no uh, real interest uh, in finance uh, from a career perspective. Uh, and so I kind of just happened to stumble across uh, Robert Half. I got a call from one of the managers uh, in the Bethesda office, which at the time was a smaller office, and brought me in, talked to me a little bit about the role. I researched the company, the job, and still, frankly, didn't know a ton about it, but it seemed pretty interesting. And uh, the rest is history. Makes sense. And so just to you know, sort of recap that before I, I let Demetrius in, uh, the importance of internships, uh, you know, I, I realized in your case that showed you sort of maybe what you didn't want to focus on and doing some other things, but also in terms of uh, the research that you put into uh, the company that was showing interest in you to make sure that you could secure that job. Yeah, 100%. It's funny because most people go to internships because they want it to lead towards a position after school. And obviously, it went just the opposite for me. But frankly, it was probably the most important internship I ever did in my life. Absolutely. 18 years later, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, and Ty, you mentioned the, the sales background and, and I could see the connection between that and recruiter from the people aspect. Um, with that, you've been with your organization for almost two decades, um, which is a rarity in today's society. So especially in the DC metro area and speaks highly of your ability to excel. So can you talk a little bit about what it takes to remain at a company for an extended period of time, um, especially through difficult economic times and with increasing expectations? Yeah, first off, Demetrius, you can't say two decades. It, it makes me sound super <laughs> old, right? You know, I, I like to go with the uh, 10 plus years and, uh, you know, just call it like that. And, you know, they could guess for the rest, right? Uh, so we'll, we'll leave it at that, right? Uh, but no, all jokes aside, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot to it, right? I mean, staying loyal to a company for two decades or 10 plus years, again, uh, as I like to call it, um, you know, means that you're taking some good with some bad, right? You know, there's no way that anyone's going to be with the company for that long and say that it was all peaches and cream, right? That's just not the case. You know, I think that you have to be bought in enough uh, from a number of different perspectives, right? You have to be fulfilled in what you're doing. Uh, and, and if you aren't, there has to be you know, advantages and, and opportunities to uh, do other things within the organization, uh, which was my case, right? I wasn't doing, I'm not doing the same job that I was doing when I first started 18 years ago. Uh, it wouldn't have worked for me. But it also means that uh, you're generally going to be navigating difficult economic times, right? Uh, I've been with the organization for 18 years. So I was there in 2008 and 2009, where, you know, frankly, I had a very large book of business in real estate. And I think we all know what that meant about my book of business in 2008, 2009, <laughs> right? Um, and so I had to redefine myself, rebrand myself and figure out, you know, how I was going to continue to win. Uh, and so that presented a challenge. Uh, but the company does do a good job of uh, navigating the economic uh, downturns and upturns and things of that nature. And so uh, it was helpful uh, in making me be in a position so that I can be in a position to win. But yeah, I mean, that's a big that's a big part of it, understanding the economic times and knowing how to navigate it. And, you know, hopefully the organization that you're with allows you to do that and and puts you in the right position. But, you know, there are times when, unfortunately, uh, you've been in a position and you're not finding the fulfillment that you once were. And, and in those times, you have to explore other options. And sometimes a part of that is exploring options and trying to figure out if the grass truly is greener on the other side. Uh, for me, you know, it hasn't been, and I've been able to, uh, you know, find other advantages that, you know, have allowed me to stay, but, you know, it's not always encouraged to do that, right? It's, it's not that I'm saying that everyone should be in the same position for, for that amount of time. Uh, it's just more about, you know, what you're happy with. And, and if, if the job is currently giving that to you, then great stay. If not, uh, you know, explore other options and see if there, uh, they're going to be opportunities, uh, elsewhere. That's perfect. The the two things that that I took away from that is the the, the ability to reinvent yourself. Um, I, I love that concept. And then being with the organization that provides you with the opportunity to kind of wear multiple hats and operate in multiple roles. So, no, that's good stuff. Yeah, I want to I want to kick us over to uh, sort of our, our topic or touch on that a little bit more. And thinking about last uh, last episode uh, where we talked about the history of human resources a little bit and taking a, a historical look at things, I want you to tell us about what interviewing was like sort of maybe pre-COVID, even back when you first started and how things have evolved over time. How have interviewing, how has interviewing changed over time? 
Yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, right, there wasn't a thing. Well, I shouldn't say that. Virtual interviews did exist, but they were just kicking off, right? And so when we're talking to clients and companies looking to interview uh, individuals, it was almost always just assumed that they would be in the office or maybe they'd come to our offices if it was more of a a private search, right, or a confidential uh, uh, search. And so in those situations, uh, you would have potentially virtual interviews. Uh, but for the most part, uh, that was the biggest change, right? Pre-pandemic, it was almost always in person, shaking hands, uh, meeting each other face-to-face and trying to figure out if uh, each each individual and client were a match. Now, it's almost abnormal to do an in-person interview, at least first round or second round, right? You know, at this time, sometimes you'll come across organizations that are happy to do final rounds in person or would want that. And those are more of the, you know, quote unquote, old school uh, hiring managers and presidents and, and owners of firms. Uh, but for the most part, it's all virtual. And I, I can't tell you how many people we've placed uh, post pandemic uh, where they have never actually met the person face to face before hiring the individual. Oh, wow. And, and I would almost say it's probably half and half, maybe even more virtual. So, that's the biggest change by far. The other thing is, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about navigating the, uh, the economic market, right? You know, we are constantly talking to, uh, companies right now, uh, with the way that the economic market is right now, uh, with respect to meeting individuals and then moving very, very quickly. Because the fact of the matter is a qualified candidate is a needle in a haystack. It's the jobs that are a dime a dozen. And so because of it, a company that wants to attract a qualified candidate just simply doesn't have the time to take as long as they need to to make decisions. They've got to make those decisions much more quickly than uh, than they have before. So that's a big deal, too. That does change. And that's not so much post or pre-pandemic. That's really more dependent upon the economic climate and how prevalent qualified candidates are out there on the market or how prevalent uh, strong jobs are out there on the market. That's great news, especially for for good or qualified candidates. I just want to ask one quick follow-up question. Uh, have the questions that either the candidate or the employer ask, have those changed over time? Because I imagine, I mean, and I know some of this is age sort of or experience-based as well. You know, when you're 23 years of age, you probably aren't asking about healthcare benefits and those sorts of things. But in general, have the questions sort of changed uh, over time that, you know, one side or the other wants to know? hundred percent, hundred percent. The biggest question for every single candidate is, Ty, what's the work-life balance? How often do I need to be in the office? How often can I, can I work from home? By far and away, before they talk about compensation, before they talk about location. I mean, sometimes before they talk about what the job is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and I, and I, I say that jokingly, but I'm being a hundred percent factual. Uh, it's incredible. That's the biggest thing that people want to know. They want to know how much they have to be in the office and how, and how often they, um, they can be at home. And, and then on top of that, if for whatever reason they need to be in the office more than, more often than not, uh, it's more about how much more can I command for this specific role versus the other hybrid roles or the other remote roles. 
Makes sense. There's a, there's a price to pay for that, right? Absolutely. There's a, there's a dollar associated with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So Ty, I'm going to pose our earlier question to you. So if you were to compare um, and contrast virtual interviewing with in-person interviewing, what would you say are the pros and cons to both situations? Uh, yeah, it's funny because it, you know, I'll answer the first question that you, you guys asked each other. And I would much prefer an in-person interview. You know, the idea to be able to mirror and match the individual much more, uh, to be able to feel, uh, their tone, to feel, be able to feel their, their energy. Uh, all of that, I think is just so much easier, more easier game on in person, right? Uh, in front of the individual. However, there is a certain amount of convenience and ease to virtual interviews that you can't discount, right? Um, and as an employer, it's a big deal because you can do a virtual interview. And then go right back to work, right? And then generally virtual interviews aren't as long as in-person interviews. There's something about an in-person interview that a person feels that they need to create more small talk or, you know, ask more questions or spend more time with the individual, uh, than there is in an in-person interview. So from a convenience, from a, uh, efficiency standpoint, virtual interviews are great. And that goes on the side of the candidate as well. Uh, you know, on the candidate side, if you're working and you have 30 minutes to, to go take a break, but then interview, you can do that. Whereas beforehand, say pre-pandemic, if you had to go into the office, a lot of times these candidates were taking off half days and things of that nature to interview for a position that they may have found out that they weren't interested in. Yeah, I think from my standpoint, the thing that I loved about not being in person for an interview, I should say the biggest thing that I loved about it was I could put my notes and sticky pads and everything else all around the room so that I'm still kind of creating that eye contact. But really, I'm looking up to see what that percentage is or you know what university one of my interviewers went to so that I can draw something or tie something back to that conversation. So you can do it in person. You just have to, you know, study and prepare a lot more, I feel like, versus, you know, again, when, when you've got your notes at your, your notes at your hands. Hundred percent. Yeah, having the notes surrounding you, like you said, and I can I can like see it, right? I mean, you can have it on the wall and things like that, and you know the camera doesn't see what's behind it, right? So I mean, it's easy to just kind of refer to it and, and look as if uh, you're going off the top of your head. So that's great. All right, I want to pause just for a second to take care of a couple of housekeeping items. First, those of you who are listening to this podcast seeking professional development credit, this program is valid for 0.5 PDCs for the SHRM CP or SHRM SCP. The code to redeem your PDCs is 24-SKH3V. Please note this code will expire on March 8th, 2024. Again, the code is the number two, the number four, dash, the letter S as in Sierra, the letter K as in Kilo, the letter H as in Hotel, the number three, and the letter V as in Victor. And speaking of PDCs, one place to earn several PDCs, 28 in fact, while networking with peers, connecting with mentors, and expanding your HR knowledge is at SHRM 23, taking place June 11th through the 14th in beautiful Las Vegas. The SHRM Annual Conference and Expo, which has drawn more than 20,000 attendees in the past, is a can't-miss experience for any current or emerging HR professional. You can register now to take part in a curated student experience featuring career-focused programming and discounted member pricing at just $425 for in-person registration in Las Vegas and $275 for virtual passes. For more information, visit SHRM.com. 
co forward slash SHRM23STUDENT. Okay, jumping back into the podcast. With the world going virtual a few years ago and everyone searching for the perfect background, and I can tell, Ty, you do this all the time because y'all can't see it, but the man's background is immaculate. What do you think the perfect virtual background is for those conversations? What is the ideal background that a candidate should have? Yeah, it's a good question, Vern. Uh, I, um, I, I'm going to probably throw this story a little bit of a loophole here. I think the perfect background is one that doesn't include a, uh, a, a virtual background. Uh, I think if you can get yourself into a very neat, uh, tidy area in your home or wherever you're sitting, uh, an area that has maybe neutral colors or things of that nature that doesn't involve a lot behind you so that it takes away from the focus of the, uh, the video, which is you and, and the content that you're, uh, you're articulating. I think that's probably the best case scenario. There certainly are times when maybe you're in a uh, smaller environment or maybe your, your home office is your bedroom or things of that nature. Um, and in that situation, uh, you can certainly have a, a virtual background, but I would try to make sure that again, similar things. It has neutral colors, uh, not a lot behind it. You certainly don't want anything too busy, uh, because if it is, then it just takes the focus off of you. And what you're talking about and the reader on the other end, just human nature is going to lead them to start looking at other things behind you to kind of figure out what those are. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot, Ty, and, and ask you a quick follow up question. Of course. And, I, and I'm not going to I'm not going to put you on a limb by yourself because I've done this. <laughs> I will say I've done it. Have you ever intentionally put something either in your background or wore certain colors or anything to sort of give yourself a little edge in, in the interview? It's funny you say that. I, uh, I, if you can see it, I, I know the rest of the guys can't see it, but you can see the diplomas in the back, right? Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, obviously it says at least this guy went to college, right? You know, <laughs> um, I think things like that are certainly helpful. You know, it depends on, uh, who you're interviewing with. If you're doing your research and you find out that someone has kids or things like that, maybe I'll show you a background with my pictures of my kids in the back or something like that. I don't know that I would necessarily suggest it, but it doesn't hurt, right? It's, a, it's a certainly a good talking point too. Anything you do to connect, right? Right. We all want to be, we all want to feel connected and feel the sense of belonging. I, I will add, I, I was interviewing someone and obviously, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we're, we're having basketball players and watchers and such. And I happened to be interviewing someone who had a uh, picture of their framed uh, college jersey. Uh, and I, I just kind of brought it up and she went on and on about it. And we hit it off from there. But it, it was, you know, it served as a good talking point for sure. Absolutely. And this, you've already gotten into the, the question that I wanted to ask, but maybe if you can provide some additional tips that you can offer candidates to excel during a virtual interview. Big time. Yeah, big time. I think there's probably a lot that we can take from, you know, not only just tips here, but also just kind of like the, the new virtual etiquette, right? That, that exists because we're doing this every day and, and obviously our interviews and things of that nature. I would say the first couple of things that are particularly important, uh, probably are testing the technology, right? I mean, the biggest thing that you have to do is do a technical trial run, which would include, you know, your computer's camera, the microphone, the internet connection. And then once that's intact, calling up a friend, a family member, having them do a trial run with you, whether it's 
Teams or WebEx or Riverside or Skype for uh, business, whatever the case is, Google Meet, doing it on that same platform to make sure that it runs perfectly. The other thing is charging it up, making sure that if your laptop's going to be away from you know, a charging station, making sure it's 100% uh, so that you can go on your laptop or your tablet, you can go on without any issues. That's a big deal. I would say avoid using smartphones uh, if you can, right? The video is generally smaller. Uh, it doesn't give as good of a, um, as good of a view as does a laptop or a, or a tablet. Dressing for success. Sometimes people think that because it's a virtual interview, you know, I can show up in a t-shirt or, you know, something like that. I would say you should just the same way as you would uh, for an in-person interview, right? Whatever you would wear on that is exactly what you should, you should wear, um, you know, in, in the uh, virtual interview. Those are a big, big deal. And I would also say kind of avoid, you know, bright, flashy colors, choose something that's, uh, you know, that's kind of more a neutral color, you know, dark, something like that. Uh, the other thing probably is making sure that whatever you have is pressed. Uh, so that when you're sitting down, <laughs> right? It's interesting. I say that, right? But like someone will throw on a nice shirt, but you know, it's wrinkled. It's like, oh, you, you probably should just put on the t-shirt. You, know? <laughs> you may have been better off, right? And then also like setting the stage for uh, distraction-free video interviews, you know, making sure that you're in a space where, you know, the kids or the dog or, uh, you know, other things uh, can't be in there, making sure you know, there's not a, you know, a huge light behind you or something like that. And all of a sudden you're a silhouette and they can't see what you look like. Things like that. Turning off the email, the text, social media, things like that. So you're not getting alerts and things are popping up and they're hearing that in the background. And then being prepared, right? Showing up on time or actually before time, right? If it's an interview, pop on there, you know, two, three, four, five minutes beforehand. Uh, you know, you always want to kind of be waiting as a candidate uh, for the person to come on. The worst situation is to come on two or three minutes later while the uh, the hiring manager is is waiting for you to pop on. Good eye contact, body language, making sure you're sitting upright, make sure your posture's good, uh, making sure your, your your eyes aren't you know kind of diverting from the uh, from the camera and, and and into you know other things that you have if you can. And then lastly, checking your volume controls. You know, there's there's all types of uh, digital connection issues sometimes. And so, you know, projecting your voice and uh, trying to avoid from talking over the interviewer uh, by giving a pause after they've, uh, you know, they've kind of communicated uh, their question and then kind of carrying on from there. It's probably the biggest pieces, I would say, probably, you know, just what comes to mind with respect to kind of a video video interview etiquette. So thus far, we've been talking a lot about um, live interviews, whether they're in person, you know, and you, you, we talked about briefly about that, but more so on the, on the virtual side, part of virtual interviewing, and I'm not sure how much experience or, you know, exposure you have to this is video interviewing. And I've done a couple of these and I, I got to tell you, it's very, very different than sort of the conversation like we're having right now where we can see each other and you get that feedback and, and so forth. Talk to us a little bit more about what what advice or tips you have for candidates who, who do video interviewing where it's you know, recorded and then sent to the employer afterwards? I guess what I would first start off by is by saying, you know, for any hiring managers or presidents of, or anyone like that listening, uh, I am not a fan at all. Uh, <laughs> video <laughs> interviews. 
I think they're so impersonal. I think that it's really, really difficult, as you just said, to articulate what you're saying. And, and to, it's hard when you're not, you can't feed off of anybody at all. But to, to answer your question, you can take some, a lot of the uh, tidbits that I mentioned beforehand. I think the biggest thing for the video interviews is practice, 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 right? I mean, whether it's on your phone or whatever, it's just taking a, a video, videoing yourself, just random questions, answering them, playing it back, seeing how you look when you play it back, seeing how you sound, those kinds of things. I think as much practice as you can give yourself on the video interviews, it's, it's going to make you a better, uh, a better candidate for the job. And then, you know, I know that sometimes there are situations where they're throwing questions at you and you don't know what those questions are and you're having to respond, which obviously makes it even that much more difficult. Uh, but I think they want to see how you perform under pressure. And so the only way to perform well under pressure is to practice. I, I could not agree more. And one of the interviews that I had done, you had some time to practice and they gave you the question. But once you hit go, you couldn't pull it back. So yeah. if, if you made a mistake, it's going. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say I did get a, a second interview on that one. But I was I was sweating bullets. Like, how many times can I sort of go through this yeah. uh, without it maybe timing out or something like that? And then obviously you want to get it right for the one that they're actually going to see. So practice is, is some great advice right there. I, I think and the only thing I would uh, piggyback off of that, Brandon, is, is um, to your point, right? Everyone's going to do that, right? Everyone's going to mess up a little bit, right? Because no one is used to doing that unless you're a newscaster, right? Those are the only people you would expect to really just knock it out the park without question, right? Uh, and so because of it, recognizing that everyone's going to mess up, get over yourself, and then just go back into what you were going to say, because they see enough of that, whereas they would be open and and, and happy to have someone get right back on the ball and, and, and keep going versus, uh, you know, really kind of for lack of a better way, put it freaking out because they they messed up. I, I like both of your points with the practice, practice and planning. I, I think it kind of helps to alleviate uh, the stress of interviewing in person in, in some perspective. It gives the individual an opportunity to one, prepare and two set up all of those staging components that you kind of mentioned from the lighting to all of the other elements that go into that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think it goes back to that it could either be in person or kind of through the through whatever technology or software that they're using, right? So with that, with that in mind, you know that that Sherm is celebrating its 75th anniversary and our theme for this year is driving historic change in the world of work. So let me ask you, um, what do you consider the biggest accomplishment of your career or a moment when you drove change for the betterment of your workforce? That's a tough one. That's a tough one, right? Uh, so my my position currently is very different than my position was when I first started with Robert Half. Uh, when I first started, it was you know call as many companies as you can, try to build your uh, your book of business as uh, quickly as you can, as efficiently and as effectively as you can. And so you know to be celebrated, it was just you know the more placements I had, the better, right? Now it's evolved into a little bit of production and a lot of management. And I, and I think that if I were to answer that question, uh, the biggest accomplishment is and always will be when members of my staff are growing and gaining, uh, and getting new, uh, heights and, and understanding kind of what's going on and how to accomplish those tasks 
and getting better at that. I, I think the biggest thing that I feel like I'm winning is when someone tells me, Hey, I'm, I'm making more money than I ever have in my life. Right. Or, you know, I, I'm, I'm so fulfilled. Right. It's, those are the big accomplishments for me. All right. We'll get you out of here on this question, Ty, because we appreciate your time. Generally, as we, we've had talked to people that are joining us on this podcast, we ask for words of advice and things that they would tell students. But I want to shift this and change it up a little bit, given your background. And I want to ask you, what parting advice or tips do you have for students and emerging professionals with aspirations of reaching the executive suite? Good question. Um, I think it probably starts with reflection, uh, you know, really trying to figure out uh, what you're good at really trying to figure out what you like to do, trying to find out how to weave both those things. Because I think if you can figure out what you like to do and what you're good at, uh, then you're probably going to be really good at it. And you're also going to be open to putting in the work ethic to become better, right? I think what, what happens a lot of times is people, you know, don't actually come to an understanding for what that is. And then they don't put the work ethic in because they don't like it in the first place. And I think that's it's not so much people are lazy. I think it's just that people aren't happy with what they're doing. Um, so I think if you can figure that out and understand what deal makers and deal breakers are for you, I think you can put yourself in a, in a much better situation. It's all about networking. It, it's all about who knows you, who you know, and putting in the time to do it, Right. And then gaining the experience, right? So if you understand how to get there because someone's talking you through it, if you have the right people educating you and pushing you uh, and you can put in the work ethic, you're going to get there, right? I, I The one thing I found in life is it's all about who is training you and your work ethic. And the two have to be very, very good for you to succeed, right? Um, and so just understanding who's at the top of their game, picking those individuals out, finding mentors, finding out how you can get there, understanding what they did to get there and what that's going to look like. And then obviously putting in the work. Those are the two biggest things. Preparation, researching, figuring all those things out with respect to who's out there and who you need to to, to befriend uh, and find out more about. And, and, and then obviously taking that and then doing your, your own work. Those are the biggest things. Thank you, Ty. I appreciate it. What a great way to wrap things up today, talking about networking, where here at Sherman, we have a community of over 300,000 members. Uh, mentorship for our students and emerging professionals. We have uh, resources there too, knowledge, information. It's almost like you're a walking billboard for us. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time and uh, thank you for sharing some of your insights. Uh, this is great. This is great. Anytime, guys, and thanks for having me. And with that, we are going to bring this episode of Career Compass to a close. We'd like to thank SHRM and SHRM Foundation for providing us with this platform. But more importantly, we'd like to thank you all for joining us and hope you stay with us throughout the season as we discuss more topics like this episode. For more exclusive content, resources, and tools to help you succeed in your career journey, consider joining SHRM as a student member. You can visit us at SHRM.org forward slash students to learn more about being a part of a community of over 300,000 HR and business leaders who impact the lives of over 115 million employees worldwide. Now, if you liked what you heard, follow or subscribe to Career Compass on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do you have a topic you think we should cover 
or guests we should hear from? We'd love to hear it. Email us at careercompasspodcast at sherm.org. Lastly, are you looking for more work and career-related podcasts? Check out All Things Work and Honest HR at sherm.org forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Career Compass.